And away we go. <laughs> episode one. Episode one. The adventure begins. Hello. Hi. How's it going? You know, it's going good today. It's it. It is going good today. The sun is shining. Is no, it? it's not. <laughs> we're we're caffeinated. Somewhat. I am caffeinated. I'm a little bit caffeinated. Um. Let's let's get this ball rolling. Uh, welcome to Eek Eek, the horror podcast where I, Elena, will get be guiding my beautiful friend M. That's me through horror movies, the wonderful, horrible horror <laughs> genre. And classic, 1960. 1960, Psycho. Psycho, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, of course, starring Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates. Hot. (laughs) (laughs) Janet Leigh as Marion Crane. Also hot. (laughs) We're sensing a theme. (laughs) It's just the hottest (laughs) horror movie to get things started with. The hottest, I can fix them. <laughs> both of them, really. Both of them. We can fix them both. Yeah. And Vera Miles as Lila Crane. I genuinely, uh, I don't remember who that is. I remember the two main, like that long chat scene. Yeah. Where they just talk and talk. And that's that's about all. So, yeah. That's Before just... I just get going. Yeah. Where we're gonna talk about when have we seen this before, mm-hmm. and uh, what were our thoughts at the time? Yeah, our our pre watch thoughts. Pre watch thoughts. Um, so I've seen this movie once. Saw it for the first time as uh, bitted by uh, Elena here, um, <laughs> because in the last couple of years I thought enough is enough. I have been a chicken my whole life. <laughs> it's time to watch. I wanted to get into horror. I, I never have. I've never wanted to. When we met, you were like, do you like horror movies? And I like kind of freaked out even then. And I was just like, if you put on a horror movie, I will leave. I will yeah, walk home. I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> I was like, you were like, are you sure? Nothing like. And I was like, no, <laughs> I can't. And I won't. And so, but you're a huge horror buff mm-hmm. um, and movie buff in general and are just buff. Oh, no. <laughs> deadlifting my dog that's true <laughs> all the time. that's true but yeah so uh, since knowing you i have been like peripherally exposed to some horror um and then i would also credit just listening to you are good listening to some of their horror movie episodes listen to it if you haven't listened to it you are um, good is you are good a terrific podcast we will, we will people. bring it up a lot. It's yeah. our favorite. We're obsessed. Yeah. We stan it. It's true. Um, and yeah, so between listening to other people just like talk about horror and what it does for them and kind of getting my head around it more and handling my own anxiety differently, yeah, sure. uh, I've been excited to kind of like start to tip my toe into uh, into the genre. So um, we started a couple years ago with some very like very vibey less like horror stuff and more just like spooky things Mm -hmm. 
and I think that helped me kind of also. And then now we're we're gonna we're gonna do it. We're gonna, we're we're diving right in. And the real real question is going to be how far can I go? Yeah, yeah. That's... And I mean, obviously, barring some things, but sure. Yeah, <laughs> there there are some hard limits that we've set. But no. we're yeah, I'm excited though because I I'm a big believer in like that we can adapt ourselves to things. And so I don't see why I can't adapt myself to this. Yeah. And and that's, you know, we're going to baby steps. Baby steps. And uh, what better first step than 1960s Psycho? Yes. Directed by Alfred Hitchcock. It's one of those classics. When did you first see it? Oh, man. I saw it, I think, for the first time in 2014. 14 or 2015 so I'm, I'm in college still. oh yeah that's later than i would have thought yeah yeah i would have thought you'd seen that like genuinely like no. yeah. <laughs> but like early though yeah yeah um and it's one that you know you it it's referenced everywhere it's in the cultural zeitgeist mm. and and just has this lasting I've- legacy what i have a memory of being at a halloween party as as a kid and seeing someone um, dressed up like the shower scene and just being so confused. Wait, how did they dress up like that? So they had a shower curtain like taped to yeah. their back. Oh, like Karate Kid. It, or they had a, um, a the rod, the rod taped to their back, and then the curtain just kind of going around them with a like bloody silhouette. And it was honestly, it was a really cool, elaborate costume. <laughs> Effective. Yeah, that's like that's in Karate Kid. He dresses as a shower. Oh no! I have you seen that? I haven't seen that. <gasps> we'll have to do that one for a Patreon because yeah, we'll that's that's a very it's, it's cozy. It's so it's very feel good. Yeah, which we'll we don't get, we'll get we into don't details. do we don't do feel good here. Is, <laughs> no, this is only pain. Main thread is only pain. This is only pain with with a couple dabblings of of cozy. <laughs> yeah, throughout. spooky. I think is what yeah. you call like cozy scary. Yeah. So. Yeah, like Halloween vibes, like yeah. cozy Halloween vibes. So yeah, I saw that costume and it's stuck in my brain kind of ever since. And then when I finally, you know, everyone's heard the music, Her, uh, like, Bernard Herrmann's <laughs> striking um, yes. string theme. That I think made... we did that once in orchestra. We and definitely it's did. Fucking horrible. It's terrible. Rosinating zombies from outer space. What? Did, was that the the song that you played? No, we did the psycho oh, theme. Like okay. one day, we didn't even play it in concert ever. Mm-hmm. We just did it one day. Yeah, because it's um, just to see how it, we could do it, and it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> we sounded terrible, and yeah. I was like, "That's so interesting." It doesn't matter. But it's interesting <laughs> how like you have to try to sound like discordant, that yeah, in a in the right way. Yeah, definitely, definitely, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, I'd, I'd find I rented it. Um, and sat and watched it on my computer. Like, of all the places to watch it, you know, that's, that's, that was a choice. But, um, you know, everyone knows the twist. Everyone knows the, the big moment. But because it's such a well-made film, you're just kind of along for the ride. Like, um, it just, Kind of immediately pulls you in. Yeah, it really does. From what I remember. Yeah, definitely. And the score, the cinematography, the pacing, Mm. all do a really good job of just sort of keeping you uh you remember like Gollum's hands when he's like trying to make sure that they don't go into the front gates yeah in Lord of the rings that's how it feels it's very like like gropey yeah. but like <laughs> <laughs> i mean that in a very effective like it does pull I mean, you along it fits for alfred even Hitchcock. though you're, yeah even though you're terrified you're just like i feel myself being yeah. pulled down this 
rabbit yeah. hole I don't want to yeah. go down. And well, and, and gropius is a fitting adjective for Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> Whoops. Yep. Um. Hey guys, look <laughs> up your your uh, Alfred Hitchcock history. Rottenapples.com uh, Rotten is a great apples. place to check any film history. I'm going to plug it right now. If you don't like watching movies that were made or made with uh, people who did terrible things to other humans, Rotten Apples. Check it out. Yep. Uh, you can find that out on RottenApples.com. Do we want any trigger warnings for Psycho or topics of conversation? Oh, goodness. Yes, probably. So, um, murder. <laughs> That's the easy one. Yeah, that's an easy one. Um, we'll probably get into some transphobia. Transphobia is a big as thing. a big, big one. Probably a, maybe a little misogyny. Yeah. And just, yeah, violence against women. Trigger warnings there. So pre-watch thoughts. We're excited to dive in. I'm excited. We'll come back <laughs> after we've watched. We'll check in and we'll discuss some... Some themes, some interesting and important elements about Psycho's history uh, in the horror genre. And we'll go from there. Catch you on the flippity flop. (laughs) Man. I'm really glad you said that. I am nailing this. I am nailing this. All right. Smooth transition. See you soon. So, Psycho begins in Phoenix, Arizona, in the year of our Lord. <laughs> I don't even know. They don't tell us. They I do. don't think they... Did they... I thought there was a date. Oh, it was a Friday, December was, 11th. Correct. Yeah, I was proud that I like noticed yeah, that this time around. Yeah, and it was 2.43 p.m. P.m. We don't know the year, though. We don't know the year. So, we begin by meeting Marion Crane and her lover... Sam Loomis, um, they pontificate about how they're meeting in a seedy motel because they just can't meet very often in general. And so they have to take advantage of the time that they can spend together when they can spend it together. And it seems like they can, they there's conversation of like they can't do it very legitimately mm-hmm, mm-hmm. very often. Yeah, there's there's sort of this air of respectability that they are not able to meet. Marion returns to work. She works for, I believe he's like a property. That's what I got. Like some realtor sort of realtor, of real estate form. person. Because he sells um, deeds. Yeah, he he sells he does stuff with property. So this his name is Mr. Lowry. Her boss is Mrs. Mr. Lowry. Um, Mr. Lowry. Mr. Lowry. <laughs> uh and uh Tom Cassidy, a rich Oil tycoon, I'm That's sure. That's the vibe we got. Yeah. I was literally about to be like, I think oil tycoon yeah, yeah. would have been oil my head magnate, yeah. of what he's up to. Exactly. That's exactly what I think he's up to. Um, and so he comes in and he is buying his daughter a house. So Tom Cassidy, oil magnate, <laughs> has $40,000 in cash. In his hand. In his hand. Not even in like an envelope or anything. He just has it in his hand. And uh, in 2023 money, 410000 Jesus, $982.43. So it's a little more than 10 times the value. So a little more than 10 times that's the value. So to just be carrying around in your hand, right? Like, so I was like, that's fucked on just like inflation. Yeah, but. it's it's, inf- it's fucked in inflation. And then just like, 
But should, then also. But then also to have this money just kind of like whoop, 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 whoop. Just whip, whip it out. Whip it out. Throw it on the desk. Mr. Lowry is like, Lowry. we cannot keep this cash in the office. Yeah, this you can ridiculous. tell he's like deeply uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which like, that's fair. fair. Um, if somebody had, who is implied to be a tax fraud, mm-hmm. um, because the the other secretary is like, I declare. Yeah. And he she's... says, I don't. That's why I get to keep it, which. Oh, I missed that very brief. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Ta- well. Tax fraud. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Lowry's like, put, no. He's no, like, get it out of here. Get it the fuck out of here. Take it to the he's bank. He's going to finish the thing, though. He's like, yes, we're mm-hmm. going to finish the sale, grab the deeds. But then he's telling Marion. Take that to the bank right this second. Yeah, take like, that. Like, kind of behind Cassidy's yeah. back. He's like, get it the fuck out of here. Get it the get it the fuck out of here. I don't want cash in here. So she's supposed to take it to the bank, and then they will swap it for a check on Monday, because yeah. it's Friday. And Marion's like, man, I have a headache. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home. And she had been complaining about a headache earlier. Mm-hmm. So she goes home, or she leaves the office, rather. Yes. And then we see... Oh, no, she goes straight home. Oh, yeah. She doesn't go to the bank. Nope. She goes home, Straight home and is packing a suitcase. And I feel like that was the part where I started watching for her, like, decision making mm-hmm. of, like, because I've seen the movie, so I'm like, all right, at what point, are we able to tell at what point she's just like, hey, um, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so she's at home. Yep, she's at home. She's packing. She heads out. And as she's driving out of Phoenix, she stopped at a stoplight. And she sees her boss crossing, crossing the crosswalk, the, the crosswalk with, with Cassidy. Cassidy. And they kind of recognize each other and, like, do a little nod. Yeah. And then they both go, wait, what? Shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, Marion goes, shit. Yeah. And Lowry goes, what the hell? Yeah. I thought you were going home because yes. you had a headache. And then Marion's like, shit, 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 shit. So from there, she's just driving. She pulls over. She falls asleep. Next day. Yeah, next morning, morning. presumably. Um, a, a cop sees her car and is like, well, what's going on here? And taps on her window and is like, miss, what's going on here? <laughs> and she's like, nothing. In the, she, he taps and she, he's caught mm-hmm. her asleep in the driver's, like laid down in the driver mm-hmm. front bench. And she wakes up to him tapping and that's when we get the really spooky tense first i would scene. say big tension builder scene yeah. which is like her having that conversation and that's when we get those really great close-ups of both mm-hmm. of their faces which yep. i really enjoy and the you know his his face being deadpan with blacked mm-hmm. out sunglasses you cannot read his face at all and hers is very passive and mm-hmm. still and she's <laughs> refusing to blink yeah so she continues on her journey consci- very conscientious of this cop that yes his, that starts to follow her that seemingly starts to follow her and then they go off a separate way she's like all right i gotta get rid of this car so she goes yeah. to a car salesman and high pressures him into <laughs> selling her car and trading it for another one. And he's like, that's, that's fucking weird. I've never seen that before. And um, it's, it's suggested, obviously, I, I don't know a lot about um, how much cars were selling for mm-hmm. at this time. But um, it seemed, it, to me, suggested that the car salesman is like, your car plus, oh, $700, expecting her to negotiate. Yeah, to, to want to, to negotiate. No- and he even says, down. he's like, 
of course yeah. now you'll have time because you'll want to negotiate with mm-hmm. me and she's like nope that sounds good and yeah. he's like oh uh yeah sure? he's like that's definitely weird yeah um and then as she's you know trying to sell this car the cop pulls up Mm-hmm. And it's he's across the street at first, observing, uh, watching, but like comes in as she's driving out, and it's there's just that tension of like, oh man, like, uh. I really like that scene too for like the crowdedness that it gets mm-hmm. because you can feel her tension building as she's like, oh shit, there's that cop again. Mm-hmm. I need to get out of here. Yes, seven hundred dollars. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And then the the as she's trying to drive off, they have to stop her. Hey, here's your bags. Don't forget those. Yeah. It's very like everything is just building that yeah. whole scene mm-hmm. in a really effective way. I think. Yep. And then um, she is caught in a rainstorm. Mm. It's dark and continues driving until she comes across the Bates Motel with vacancies. (laughs) And decides to stay the night because it's just not safe to drive at that point. Mm -hmm. She meets Norman Bates, who's this mild-mannered guy no, what what is it? He says 12 cabins, 12 vacancies. Yeah, he always says 12 cabins, 12 vacancies. And um, uh, he knows that she's gotten lost because the, the highway, the new highway, mm-hmm. um, does not go to, or doesn't go past the motel anymore. The motel used to be bypasses. right on the highway. Yeah. And the new highway bypasses it. Mm-hmm. Um, so people don't show up at the Bates Motel unless they are lost. And so hardly anyone comes in anymore. And so Norman tries to make her comfortable, get her settled in. He puts her in cabin one right next to him. And did you notice, too, he, like, starts to head elsewhere and then he doubles back to cabin one. Yeah. Like, he was about to take her to cabin two or three or something. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, actually, I'm going to set her right next to the office. Right. And in my mind, the reason he does that is so that he can peep. Peep and, yeah, like, have her close. Uh, Have her close. And, like, he makes this decision of, like, I'm going to break mother's rules. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Norman, he lives there with his mother Mm -hmm. and has a very contentious relationship with her. And it's it's a, a source of some conflict and turmoil for him. But he also cares deeply about her. So that when, during a conversation, Marion suggests that maybe Norman put his mother in... An institution, else, yeah, just someplace unquote. else. And yeah, he says that always means an institution. Mm-hmm. You know, tucking her away somewhere yeah. where he doesn't have to care for her anymore. Uh, he can like free himself of his burdens. So yeah, to she speak. seems to be asking him like, "Why are you still here? Why are yeah. you putting up with her? Who mm-hmm. seems so severe and like critical of everything that you're doing?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "How dare you?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. You no, know, really, that's sort of the vibe. And it seems like. You know, this is their conversation that they're having after she's settled in and everything, mm-hmm. and they're having a good chat, and it's going really well until she makes that suggestion, and mm-hmm. you can kind of really feel the mood shift to, we're not having fun anymore, he's feeling pretty, like, unhappy yeah. with the direction the conversation went. Yep, definitely. So. And so, um, eventually they just get to a point where, you know, she decides, you know what, I'm gonna go back to Phoenix, I'm gonna return the money, I need to you know, kind of own up to what's happened. During that conversation. Yeah, during the course of the conversation, she she re- yeah. resigns herself to, to wanting to go back to Phoenix. Um, so she goes to her room, you know, 
go to bed with the intention of heading out the first thing in the morning. And as she's getting ready for her shower, we see that Norman's got a little peephole. Behind a painting. Behind a painting in his office. I hope someone knows the painting that he removes. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if we know what that painting is. Because I think it was one of, like, someone being taken, basically. Mm. Like, an old Greek or, like, biblical Mm -hmm. or something, like, classical painting of someone, like... It looked like an old dude, like, lifting up Mm. someone's naked body. Oh, interesting. And it looked kind of similar to other paintings I've seen... I'm I'm interested because yeah. I think that would be thematically yeah just yeah. when you know definitely on point yeah so we we get not only in, in the the early camera angles uh, kind of the sense of voyeurism but then we have it very explicitly with Norman mm-hmm. being voyeuristic towards Marion and then um, as literal she's, people yeah through literal people um, a peeping Norman if you will. Uh, <laughs> Um, that was a bad joke and you shouldn't have laughed at it. (laughs) I apologize. (laughs) So Marion is showering and we get the famous shower scene where, um, curtain is pulled back and a, a feminine figure. Silhouette. Silhouette. Very intentionally silhouetted. Very intentionally silhouetted. Wielding a knife, um, stabs Marion to death and then disappears. And it's this boom, boom, boom. Very like, chaotic moment. Very, very fast. Very fast, very chaotic. And then it's just over. And we're left with the aftermath. And Norman. We hear Norman from a distance first mm-hmm. yeah. in the house, kind of shouting, Oh, mother, oh, mother, Mo- yeah, the blood. Mo- mother, the blood. Oh, God, the blood. You know? Yeah. And then Carry he on. rushes down from the house to the motel room to see Marion dead on the floor and begins very methodically cleaning up. And Mm -hmm. so he throws her body, her luggage, including the money, and just any other traces of her. Yeah, he's seen that she's left out. Mm -hmm. All of her and her belongings go into the trunk. The trunk of the car. car. Yeah. And then the car is pushed into a bog that I believe is like right behind the house. It seems like it or like across from the rooms or something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. It's, it's close by. And you just kind of get the sense from him doing this, that he's done this before. Yes. And definitely you're like, Oh man, not only is our lead protagonist, yeah, our protagonist (laughs) dead, but we've got another mystery on our hands. (laughs) So then we cut to Fairvale, California. Wow. Where... Good job. <laughs> thank you. Um, Sam Loomis... I was just going to be like, the hardware store. Yeah, yeah. Sam Loomis in his hardware store is met by Marion's sister, Lila, who's like, hey, she disappeared. She mm-hmm. took money. Have you seen her? Like, she would have come here yeah. to, to start she's a life like, with you. I'm just you. kind of following a hunch. Mm-hmm. Well, no, because I don't think she knew that much about it. I think she's just like, I'm just sort of following a hunch. I don't yeah. know. But, like, yeah. is she here? I just want to talk to her. Mm-hmm. Like, can she just tell me she doesn't want to see me again? Because, like, I just need to know yeah. where no, she you're, went. You're right. Um, Arbogast, the, the private investigator hired by Cassidy, um, is like, well, she he has, shows up minutes later. He shows up almost immediately after, and it's like she stole this money. Of course, she would come and see her lover, and they would run off together. And so he's convinced that Sam and Lila know where Marion is and are hiding her mm-hmm. from him. And so it, uh, Arbogast starts 
kind of working his way backwards, and mm-hmm. she's not there. Mm-hmm. Sam and Lila both insist, like, they no, have not seen her. we really don't know where her. she is. Yeah. And so he works his way backwards and gets to the Bates Motel. Bum, bum, bum. I can't remember how he finds that out. Like, maybe just, like, following I think her trajectory yeah. from... Oh, because that's right. We get the mm-hmm. montage of him going to every, like, inn and B&B mm-hmm. between, like, Phoenix and Fair... Mm-hmm. Fairville? Fairview? Fair, Fairvale. Vale. I'm pretty wow. sure. Something yeah, like Fairvale. that. Yeah, Fairvale. Yeah. I think it's Fairvale. Between Phoenix and the hardware store. <laughs> yeah, between Phoenix and <laughs> Sam's hardware store. And, you know, he comes across the Bates Motel and is like, all right, I see when Marion signed in uh, or registered at the, the inn, she used her first name, I believe? She used Mary. So she used Mary. And it was just Mary. Yeah, Mary. And then I think Samson used, or something. used some name related to Sam. Some variation of yeah. Sam. Mm-hmm. And everyone, please drag me the supposed movie buff for not remembering exactly what she wrote <laughs> down. So even though Norman is like, nope, not seen anyone through here, Arbogast is like, well, what's this name in this book? He's like, oh yeah, her. She left really early in the morning. I didn't even see her leave. He's like, so it's not the woman in this picture that I'm showing you? Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, well, yeah, I suppose it is. Well, Mm -hmm. uh, well, uh, it's, yeah, you know, her hair was wet. Uh, Yeah, Norman's being very antsy, very, like, suspicious, and then mentions that, you know, he, he briefly mentions his mother in the context of, like, oh, well, like my mother says, or something like Mm -hmm. that. And Arbogast is like, oh, well, can I speak to your mother? And Norman's like, absolutely the fuck not. Yeah, Arbogast, he says something that is to the effect of, like, well, mother knew she was no good, or something like Mm -hmm. that. And he's like, oh, your mother talked to her? And he's Mm -hmm. like, well, no. And he's like, can I talk to your mother? And again, as we saw with the conversation with Marion, when mom comes up, Norman kind of shuts down. Yep. He's like, absolutely. He's like, I've that. answered all your questions mm-hmm. plenty. I'm yep. done talking to you. Yep. Literally. Yep. He says yep. that. Absolutely. <laughs> like, all right. So Arbogast calls the hardware store. The hardware store. <laughs> just to kind of give an update on what he's found out. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to go talk to the mother and I will call you back as soon as I am done and I learn anything. And so he enters the Bates house, ascends the stairs, and who should appear? But mother! mother! <laughs> and she, again, wielding a knife, slashes him across the face, and he falls down the stairs in mm-hmm. a really, I really like the way it's, it's shot. Yeah, it's super interesting. Yeah. People laugh at it. They think it's kind of goofy, and I'm like, no, I think no, it's I think really it's intentionally done. Compelling. Yeah. yeah. Um, and especially Steadicam hadn't been invented at that point. Right. So it's like... There's only so much you can do. Generally, you had to either do like a shoulder cam yeah or a dolly track yeah and so i think it seems like he and the camera are on a dolly track Mm -hmm. that are both like sliding down the stairs Mm -hmm. but i think the effect is just i think it works you know it's it's falling and it's like disorienting very disorienting and and i think it it works well but yeah so arbogast is killed by mother bates mama Mama. bates but because he called sam and lila they now have a place where they can trace him back Mm -hmm. yep where they can trace him back and once they learn that arbogast has disappeared they go to the local judge to say yeah hey what or the sheriff or somebody the sheriff who takes them to the judge who's like he basically confirms that well 
doesn't quite confirm, but says that actually... He said, Mother Bates. Norma Bates has been dead for (gasps) X number of years. Ten years. years. And they're all like, wait. And so you're going, wait, did she fake her death? What happened here? What's going on? The mystery. And so Sam and Lila go to the Bates Motel, posing as a married couple. Sam distracts Norman so that Lila can sneak up to the house and try and find Norma Bates and find her she does. (laughs) She is in the fruit cellar. In the fruit cellar. Chilling. A taxidermied corpse. When we say taxidermied, we're kind of assuming because of what Norman has said he's proficient at. Mm-hmm. But visually, she's just she's, a skeleton kind of desiccated yeah, style. Yeah, yeah. She's not like done up in any yeah. special way. I mean, she, wig. Except she's, she's got her a wig. Wig her dress, and dress. Yeah. Shoes. Shoes. Mm-hmm. And then Norman comes storming in, dressed as... As Mama Bates. As Mama Bates, speaking in her voice. And then we get the famous (laughs) exposition dump (laughs) at the end. Transition. Yeah. A a psychiatrist is standing in in the police office. Yep. He comes in and is like... (laughs) Well, now let me tell you what's let going me tell on. You what's going on? And his his explanation is like he is his mother. So basically, Norman had an obsessive personality. He well, he and his mother had this really fucked up codependent relationship. Mm-hmm. He was obsessed with her mm-hmm. and assumed that she was as obsessed with him. When she took a new lover, he became outrageously jealous and mm. killed them both. Yeah. Presumably via poison, I think is one, that, one yeah, thing I that I've... that's what they yeah. say. But in the killing of her, he was like, wait, no, no, what have I done? And so he began to keep her alive mm-hmm. in some ways, including, you know, preserving her body and speaking in her voice and take, and eventually donning her clothes himself in order to so- and keep her alive that way. Mm-hmm. And any time that Norman expressed any kind of interest in a woman other than her, mm-hmm. the mother persona would become very jealous and act mm-hmm. out in, in fits of, of rage. And so there's, there's a more explicit implication that Mama Bates has killed before because there are some missing unsolved missing person cases. Yes. They say, "Wait, don't you have some two missing person mm-hmm. girls?" Is what he says, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Why, yes, why, yes, we do." And it's like, "There we go." We <laughs> probably from Mama Bates. Probably from Mama Bates. They're they're told to drag the bog, and they will. Um, and but so, now before we get the nice like zoom in this... on Norman Bates's face mm-hmm. in the police precinct. Mm-hmm. And then you can just hear Mama Bates, like, mm-hmm. cycling in his head and saying weird shit. And yeah. I don't remember the whole diatribe she's got, but you see his face kind of Shift. reacting as yeah. if he is thinking those thoughts yeah. as yeah. her. Yeah, and and the psychiatrist says that the, the mother personality has won out. Yes. So right now, or presumably at this point, he's... Norma. Norma. Bates. Moving forward, yeah. Yeah. And basically she goes on this sort of mumbling, I don't want to say rant, but just sort of, she just sort of talks about how she hates to speak the words that condemn her own son, but I didn't do anything. I just He was a bad one and I'm just an innocent old woman. Why look, I won't even swat that fly. And there's a, yeah, the there's fly, a fly sitting on, on her, her hand. On her hand and, and 
They'll know. They'll, <laughs> they'll see. Yeah. They'll see and they'll say why she wouldn't even harm a fly. <laughs> and all the while, just Anthony Perkins doing this really perfect, creepy yeah. look at the camera. And then it ends with them, or with a shot of them pulling a car out of the bog. And that's that's Psycho. That's it. Dun, dun, dun. The end. And then there were four sequels. <laughs> were there? No. There were three sequels. Shut the fuck up. I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Psycho. Psycho. Wop, 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 wop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, hi, Rosie. Yeah. Our dog is going to be settling in for a little while. Yeah. Her name is Rose. And we adore her. She's a good girl. You know who's not a good girl is Marion Crane. <laughs> What a slut am I right? Impeccable <laughs> transition. I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one. Good job, good job. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I know we'd seen it before. But... It was really good on a rewatch. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, better than I thought it would be on a rewatch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I... It's a classic for a reason. Yep. Um, it's one of those that you're like, I've heard of this so many times. Could it possibly live up to the hype? And then you watch it and you're like, oh... That was really yeah. fucking good. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those that the filmmaking is just so good yeah. that it it holds up. And um, I stand by my statement. I don't know if this was in take one or take two of our intro, but <laughs> at one point earlier today, I said something about how it's like very, it like is kind of groping you in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, golem hands. <laughs> golem yeah. hands, like pulling you towards the stairs. And it's very, yeah, the whole time you just get more and more engrossed than you were the minute before. Mm-hmm. And that never lets up. It really, it doesn't. It, um, And the fact that there are these, like, stages of tension building yes. and then release. Yeah. But even the release is still tense. Um, yeah. And that's why one of my favorite sequences in the entire film is the cleanup yes i was just gonna say the cleanup i was like i hope you're gonna say the cleanup because same 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 mm-hmm, same mm-hmm. also i don't know what's wrong with me but i'm like hot yeah yeah, <laughs> the whole time. yeah. a man who knows how to use a mop <laughs> who knows how to clean up my murder <laughs> yeah yeah clean up after his mother you know that's just that's what we all want in life yeah so a man who knows how to clean i'm fucked yeah. No, his cooking skills are not the most elaborate. Sandwiches. You can, I can, you can handle sandwiches. We can work on that. Um, but you know what? The cleaning. 10 out of 10. It is. It's so good, though. I, and I feel like he's such a natural actor. Yeah. Like, he's very, na- like, he encompasses naturalness in his, you know, the way he is relaxed when mm-hmm. he's around Marion and the way he's very on edge when he's around Al- Al- Albergast. Uh, Arbogast. Arbogast, thank yeah. you. Arbogast. <laughs> Arbogast. Yeah. And uh, Sam, both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when he's around men, he's very tense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're questioning him a lot, so there is that. Yeah, but. so there is that element of it, and his his mother has committed a crime. But th- it is interesting that we don't see him interacting with men prior to having murdered somebody, so yeah. we don't necessarily know how he interacts with men normally like what his basis is. yeah yeah Yeah. because obviously the presentation of him is very much that he's like emasculated by his mother and we don't necessarily get a chance to see that independent of marion's murder which i think is is interesting Mm -hmm. so 
Two big twists. Yes. Marion getting killed off. Right away. Right? Really? But like, yeah. Yeah. Her whole story. At the basically end of act one. Yeah. Right? Yes. Um, she gets killed, which, you know, at the time, huge twist. You don't have a leading star get killed off like that, really. Right. Um, and then the first twist and then second twist, obviously, the reveal of his mother being dead all along. Yes. And then Norman himself being... And 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 wrapped in her yeah, identity and, and his identity being yeah. entangled together. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, it, I think is the best way to put it. Really where I, like, my first thoughts as I was watching again were about um, when does she decide to leave? Mm-hmm. Like, is that something she's already been kind of plotting or kind of, like, looking for an opportunity of? I really enjoy that we're just kind of, like, watching her make these decisions in real time, it seems. Mm-hmm. Like, they're very opportunistic. It doesn't seem like she has been plotting this from what I could kind of gather. Mm-hmm. You know, she's talking about plans of having Sam over for dinner with her sister at yeah. some point and yeah. doing it the proper way. Right. And and so, yeah, I think it was interesting to watch that. I, I enjoy the scene because I hate to, I, I like to hate it mm-hmm. when she's talking to, or Tom is talking at her. Yeah. Tom yeah. Cassidy. Cassidy, yep. He's, he's talking at her, the businessman, and mm-hmm. ranting at her and being weird. Money can buy. Money can't buy happiness, but it can buy off unhappiness. Yes, And that you was can just it. see in her face, she's like, I want to die right now. She's like, wow. <laughs> I hate <Whoa>. you. <laughs> I, my, no, my note is, Tom, creep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I enjoyed kind of watching her make that decision, and um, even when she's driving the car later, there's this moment where she's you know imagining people's reactions, mm-hmm. and she's she starts to imagine the reaction of Tom and her boss, and yeah. um, as they have this conversation, and he's saying, "Well, like I don't care what it takes, I'll have to go get it off of her, or whatever," and like uh, him talking about like tracking her down. Her her soft flesh. Yeah, that was <laughs> her. That that's the thing. There was another descriptor word. Her fine soft flesh. Yes, I think, I think yeah. that's was it. Yeah, and it's very like creepy. I I, I you creepy. know <laughs> if we're gonna project things onto Marion, that's that's really that's an like and she almost looks like she's got a little half smile oh, she's when smiling she's saying it because, or when she's when thinking, she's thinking it. that because I think she's enjoying the thought of like. He's sweating over this. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it was... I got one over on Yeah, got one over on, yeah, yeah. One over on mm-hmm. Tom Cassidy. Yeah. Which... Is my take, personally. I, and I would I would agree with it, you know, even on this rewatch. Normally, I'm just like, you know, the money doesn't fall into her lap, but it, it, is, it is placed on her desk. Oh, yeah. And someone who's like, you know what? I have a headache. I just got done with this, you know tryst with my lover at mm-hmm. a, a motel and we're both having money trouble what happens if we just take off yeah you know just this sort of taking very, control yeah taking control and actually in in the process taking money not necessarily from someone who needs it right who says he's like oh i like i only spend I money never that carry, i never carry never carry more than i, I can, can afford to, to lose, lose. That's it. yeah yes. and so she's like <laughs> All right, cool. Fuck you, bud. I'm okay, gonna I'm take out. your shit. Yeah. Fuck this shit. I'm out. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I enjoyed that. Uh. I. So, but because I get so like wrapped up in her like 
taking control and even though she's obviously distressed about doing this Mm -hmm. and is like looking over her shoulder the entire way she i also then the twist of quote unquote twist and you know she gets murdered like that's the whole scene that everybody has known everybody is just like wait when's the shower scene but the first and that's kind of what i love about the movie is like even if you've never seen it you know the shower scene and i also what i will say is i didn't know it was her Mm -hmm. in the shower scene Mm -hmm. i was like i've seen that or i like heard about it yeah but like surely that's not our main character and then and then it is sure is sure is (laughs) yeah and that's another thing that at at some point i want to i want to circle back to that about sort of how the shower scene has become iconic mm. and yet so depersonalized from the characters yeah right? so well, i would love naked, so. i would <laughs> yeah we could get into some feminist film theory right there <laughs> um but no i would love to circle back to that but yeah i love that even when you know the shower scene is coming there's still such a compelling narrative leading it um, and, like, a really solid element of suspense going yes. on. Um, big fan of that. Um, also, did you notice she doesn't blink hardly ever? Yeah! She, and like, is obviously trying not to while she's talking, especially to the police was where I first noticed it. Mm-hmm. Noticed it. Yeah. Which yeah. is a, I think that's, like, a, um, from what I understand, I could be wrong, it's a uh, way of building tension like subconsciously yes because your brain wants her to blink yeah even if you don't notice it and Mm -hmm. so you're like just just blink blink." yeah (laughs) she doesn't and i also wonder obviously birds are a big motif in the film of course um it almost makes her eyes in my opinion like a little more bird-like because she's just like staring around Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's such a good observation you know every now and then (laughs) every now and then they come to me um but yeah i hope so (laughs) (laughs) i got a i got a minor in film studies i better have earned it (laughs) some themes and observations see did you know films have themes (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) give me my degree The, yeah, so I just wrote down a bunch of things that I was noticing that were building the tension throughout the lead up Mm -hmm. to her murder, which were, um, you know, mirrors are always used very intentionally in any Hitchcock film. I'm not that good at this, but I do notice that because it's hard to miss. You get a Mm -hmm. glimpse of one and then you're waiting to see movement in the background. It's Mm -hmm. just always there. Mm -hmm. Um, She sees her boss. You can see them both be like, oh, fuck. Yeah. uh, the police officer, she's not blinking through that. The men watching her leave the car sale lot is always, like, that scene is just so well-paced, yeah. I think, to, like, really stress you out and be like, yeah. is he coming? Is he really going to try and hold her up? Is yeah. the guy going to try, like, the salesman going to hold her up? Is the police officer going mm-hmm. to hold her up? She's trying to get out of here as quickly as she can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's without, there's a lot. Yeah, she's trying to get out out of here without raising too much sus- suspicion. Yes. But by being in a hurry. Just raising, by, by being a woman in a hurry. By being a woman in a hurry, they're immediately like, oh, well. Something sus here. Something is suspicious. And then Norman Bates shows up. Yeah. What a cutie. What a cutie. He starts off just, like, adorable and, yeah. like, brimming with charm. Yeah. And is just really adorable. Yeah, he they they do a really good job of capturing that, like, boyish charm. Yes. Um, that I think is necessary not only to sort of contrast the 
chill. imposing figure of the police officer for sure. Oh, for sure. But also yeah. the imposing figures of some of the other male characters. It also, you know, the boyish charm sort of reinforces as they're getting into that conversation about his mother. And you can really just tell he has been living under her thumb. What we (gasps) presumably... I wrote down notes about that whole conversation because that's my favorite conversation. That's like my favorite scene, I think, except for the cleaning up after the shower scene. It's it's my favorite dialogue scene. Oh, for sure. And it is up there in yeah, my favorite dialogue scene and then the the cleaning up after is my favorite scene. Yes. Um but no, it's it's such a great scene because it you know, it it starts off pretty innocent. You know, Marion's like, all right, th- this guy's maybe a little bit weird. He still bit lives odd, with his just being isolated. Yeah, lives with his mom. There's nobody here. It doesn't seem like he has many other people to talk to and his mom's just mean to him yeah yeah because she hears she overhears their quote-unquote conversation mm-hmm. where she's just like berating him yeah for wanting like loose women or whatever right right says. like she's a slut all <laughs> women are sluts yeah and it's good to know that uh norman's got some good old internalized misogyny going yes, on he sure does. in his in his uh norma persona persona yeah i wrote down though um really interesting to walk in and especially on rewatch getting in and realizing like oh this is a dude that's just surrounded by the dead you see all of his taxidermy Mm -hmm. now we know his mother has been dead i wrote (laughs) i wrote down you eat like a bird good pickup line (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) i think birds are passive Mm -hmm. uh talking about traps and the inability to escape. Mm-hmm. But my favorite part is when Mother does come up, the angle changes mm-hmm. from where he's being viewed yep. until so that we have this view. It's of, a sharper angle from below. It's a sharper angle from below mm-hmm. with a huge bird of prey yep. hovering right over his head. Bingo. For the whole entire scene yep. until it doesn't change until um, the suggestion of putting her somewhere else. Yeah. When it comes back to that front shot and he's looking kind of severe mm-hmm. about like, oh, everybody wants to be helpful. Yeah. Everyone has good intentions, but someplace else always means an institution. And then mm-hmm. he speaks about institutions as if he knows about it. Like, he, he talks about it as if he's been in one, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of alluding to, the, like, the way things are there that I thought was, yeah, seemed personal. Mm-hmm. And then you can tell there's a moment where he kind of decides he doesn't like her. Yeah. Um, he was liking her. And then when she makes, I think, the suggestion about the institution He's like, oh, fuck you. Yeah. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. She's just ill. Mm-hmm. She's fine. She just needs me. And then I think her final fatal mistake, not that it's her fault that she gets murdered, but... Um, her her, her <laughs> fatal mistake was being a woman. Was existing as a woman <laughs> existing, in the Bates Motel. Yeah, exactly. In the 50s. In, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think, though, that her line that really, like, pushes him over the edge or would push me if I was Norman Bates over the edge is I'm gonna get out of here and go home before it's too late for me too she mm. says and I didn't notice that last time but she literally said like and I wrote, she she's right there because <laughs> like she says she's like I gotta get out of here before it's too late for me too as if he's like 
he's lost. He's gone. Right. He, he can't be helped. I mean, well, and, and <laughs> which is true, but yeah, also. there's there's something to be said for the fact that we have no idea really what Norman was up to before his mom died. Yeah, which I didn't at the beginning of the movie too. I couldn't remember if she had already died or if she was like. I couldn't remember when she was right, killed. Right. And so when we see her, quote unquote, like, walk across the, because um, we only see her move that one time. Yeah. Um. Well, We see Norman dressed as her, as her moving in the, house in the house. That one time. Yeah. And so at first I was like, oh, wait, is she still alive at this point? I can't remember. Well, and especially the edit, he gets down there so, so fast. quickly that you're like. He would have had to be like. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And I guess he just did. He's yeah. just a, <laughs> he just I mean, did. those long, lanky legs. Fast as fuck, boy. Yep. Yeah. The, what, what did you think sort of about the investigation, so to speak? Yeah, that was, that one always hits me. Um, what I think about the investigation I did think that the investigation was, like, one of the clunkier parts, or at least for me, I feel like the pacing was really tight, like I was saying, up till the um, cleanup scene, Mm -hmm. and then when we cut to the hardware store, it feels like the pacing has completely shifted, Mm -hmm. which is probably really intentional and probably making me uncomfortable on purpose, because I'm like, now we were in this beautiful flow of, like, watching these, like, tight dialogues followed by these, like, single-person action, single action scenes mm-hmm. where, like, someone is just, like, doing. Yeah. And then more tight dialogue contrasted with just the one person doing a lot. And so I really, which I really liked. I like that pacing. And so when we get into, like, two to three people scenes with the lady looking at the bug killer that's supposed to kill everything. Although I did like, she says, I think even if it's a bug, it sh- a man or a bug it should have a painless death. And you're like, oh no, Marion. <laughs> oh, baby. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Marion. Well, and it's, she doesn't say woman or bug. <laughs> oh no. So this is my question to you. Sure. Okay. Do you think there's a lot of for me, perceived themes of, like, femininity not fitting in in that world. Mm-hmm. And, like, whether it's the woman at the beginning saying, like, I take tranquilizers when I, <laughs> when I started getting engaged and getting married to my husband. I started sure. taking tra- tranquilizers. Don't tell my husband. Yeah. Or whether it's the guy, like, Tom Tom Cowboy. Tom Cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> flirting with her. Yeah. Um, making her uncomfortable, but she just has to smile through it. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Norman Bates immediately seeing her and being the bird of prey that's, ta- like, towering over that room mm-hmm. and seeming charming but being a fucking predator, mm-hmm. do you feel like that's an intentional, I don't want to call it a feminist message because I don't think Alfred Hitchcock was probably a feminist. No, not even remotely. But like, do you think that was intentional or do you think that that's just like an accident, like almost like a byproduct of the genre where it's like women are vulnerable and thus we have this really oddly um, salient theme of like, women not fitting in Mm -hmm. with this man's world or i don't know you know what i'm trying to say i'm saying it clumsily right now yeah there's parts that it feels so on the nose that i'm almost like he had to know he had to know what he was doing but i know that alfred hitchcock probably didn't because he was just seeing he wasn't seeing women as fighting a fight Mm. against a world that is unjust or against anyone who isn't a white cis 
male, Mm -hmm. he was seeing them as, like, vulnerable, small, and to be used as a plot device. There's a lot of women being used as temptresses, seductresses, wily coyotes types, you know, um, in Hitchcock films, to be sure. And what I think is particularly compelling is you have these sort of modern women in Marion and Lila, Mm -hmm. and they're very much contrasted with, well, at least Norman's Norma Bates. Um, oh. who is, you know, sort of like a, rah, 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 not in my yard, these fucking kids these days with their <laughs> short skirts and their long jackets. Um, Did she say that? No. Okay, I was like, wow, it's so specific. No. Um, but what I think is telling is that Norma is the center of the violence. That's such a good, Yeah. Definitely. She, she is at the center of the violence. And even if she is not the direct cause of the violence, she she did violence to Norman, mm. who, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever psychoanalytic Freudian fucking thing, then had this sort of possessive element of, yeah. you know, needing to not only possess dead things through like yeah. taxidermy yeah. but also it, that then extends into owning his mother in death mm-hmm. after poisoning her because she fell for another man how many times do you think he's done this i'm gonna say or four. <laughs> oh, okay i was gonna say like if you don't have a number that's fine just well, like is this his first time do no, we think no they tell they tell you in Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right, mm-hmm. Jesus. In the, okay, in the massive yes. exposition yes. dump at the end. Such a big and especially, dump. <laughs> I love that scene so much because the psychologist or psychiatrist is just like, yes, but no. I know, it's like, but- so there's a grieving sister sitting right here, can you please give us a direct answer, you son of a bitch? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, God damn like, so, so Norman, and then he's like, well, no. But yes! Yeah. And it's like, fuck, d- God, just talk. <laughs> I think it's very interesting that there's sort of this collision of modernity and traditionalism between the women that manifests in Norman's violence towards women. Mm -hmm. And the what I think is especially interesting is that we know that Norma has killed before and probably would have killed again because, Mm -hmm. like the psychiatrist says... He assumed his mother was as obsessed with him as she as he was yeah, with her. Or as jealous as, as jealous of yeah. each other. Yes, yeah. yeah. Which classic codependent relationship. Right? <laughs> classic. Classic <laughs> codependence there. But I think it is worth noting that the the book that Psycho is based on. Um, it's as, based on a book. Yeah. No one told me this. Well, wait, I'm telling well, you now. Oh, and it's, it's it's in the, the but beginning. Isn't it based on Ed Gainer? Ed Gein? Ed. <laughs> so yeah, obviously there's. I think there's a lot of fascination with Ed Gein for multiple reasons. 
Ed Gein, is an American serial killer found to have exhumed corpses from local graveyards and fashioned trophies and keepsakes from their bones and skin. Gein also confessed to killing two women. Uh, so he did not kill, or he wasn't convicted of killing his mother. No, he just had a very... Norman Bates style. <laughs> Norman Batesy relationship. After his father's death, his mother, he and, he and his mother were living alone. She had a stroke, and so he was he just threw himself into taking care of her. Ed Gein was apprehended in 1957. The book comes out in 1959. Whoa. The film comes out in 1960. Jesus. Pretty good so fast. Films did not take, well, they didn't need to take that long to make. But yeah, no, people were churning films out pretty quickly. And what I think is is interesting is that they really did try to cast Norman so that he was disarming, very appealing, very, you know, you feel a little bit bad for him, even when he's acting a little bit odd. Definitely. And, oh, bless his cute little heart. His little face. His, his cute little cheeks that you want to pinch. Tiny little face. <laughs> okay, my question then next sure. is... Tell me more about, you were kind of mentioning earlier, like, there's a lot that was done in this film that hadn't really ever been done before. Mm -hmm. The Hayes Code is involved. Yep. Nerd alert. <laughs> history <laughs> alert, yeah. All uh, right. Hot, which, some, some hot history coming in at Can you. I try and sum up the Hayes Code? Yeah, please. It was a code. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Made yep. by people in Hollywood. Correct. In a certain time period, which you will elaborate on for mm -hmm. me, but that basically told you what you could and could not um, put on air specifically mm -hmm. and also into film mm -hmm. um, due to lack or need of decency. We want it to be. Yeah. And it was it seems like it was in some cases very loosely defined. And so you could if the execs liked you they might let you get away with more if they didn't like you they'd be like it's not decent mm -hmm. um and use it as a way to um quash or to, to get away with bigotry essentially mm -hmm. and tell and, me more about it because that's my vague yeah. understanding of it so the Hayes code is the colloquial name for the motion picture production code whoa which was circulating enforced you know to various extents between 1934 and 1968. Oh, and there's an episode by, uh, You're Wrong About, mm. I think, about mm -hmm. this. That would make sense, yeah. Um, so if you want to know more, go to You're Wrong About. Go to our, one, another one of our favorite podcasts. Also by Sarah Marshall. Also by Sarah Marshall. In whom we stand. <laughs> Whomst we stand. Whomst we stand. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they have more information about mm -hmm. it and, like, the history and everything. Yep. So, the code was pretty strict. Especially when it kind of first came about. Mm -hmm. So some of the things that they did not want, profanity, especially using the Lord's name in vain, heaven forbid, <laughs> um, any sort of like explicit or suggestive nudity, mm. even in like silhouette, you got kind of like... You it were, was like a eh, don't it, try it, not to. They were like, mm, you, you're, you're, you know, you're getting <laughs> walking you're on skirt thin ice, buddy. Which is why you know you have the the very chaste kiss, man and woman in bed together, even sure. if they're married. So like 
you remember I Love Lucy, they slept in separate beds. beds. And then, of course, any sort of sympathy for criminals, which, you know, (laughs) if we're we're looking in in terms of psycho, (sighs) the fact that they... Yeah, that they even, mm -hmm. like, were trying to kind of look into the criminal, quote-unquote, criminal mind. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, skimming this list, we can see quite a few of these are in Psycho, or like they're edging close to them in Psycho. Other ones that were, or some other sort of firsts or fun facts about it were, obviously, you had Sam and Marion rolling around in post-coital bliss. Bliss. (laughs) It was Um, really tender, though. mm -hmm. I did, I liked how, like, immediate... You felt like they're con- they had a good connection. They yeah. had good chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, so another thing that actually the censors did not like was flushing a toilet on screen. <gasps> no. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> they were very upset about that. They were so, so upset silly. about that. And, you know, considering how many fart jokes and, like, shitting jokes there are <laughs> nowadays. It's we can't like, even, like, conceive that. We're, yeah. like, like, flushing this paper down. Oh, my God. As she's trying to wash away her sins. Yeah. Right? Or, like, wash away the... Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if it was, like, a letting, like... She throws it in the toilet kind of knowing that it's getting rid of a kind of evidence, right? Yeah, definitely. That's what I saw it as, yeah. was like her covering up her evidence. Which, it, it, then it becomes sort of this like, it, instead of black and white, on, mm-hmm. it, it becomes a little more morally gray, where it's like she is, in essence, destroying this evidence, right? But... Then she's like she's resigned herself to returning, Going back, returning to the money, returning. Yeah, and um, is like sort of in the process of trying to wash away her sins, but is still like kind of resolved to go back to Phoenix. And she's um, she's not getting rid of evidence; mm-hmm. she's getting rid of keeping track of her spending. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just her spending sheet, and so she's like, I don't really need to know this. I just spent the seven hundred dollars. I know what the balance is. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to write anything more on this because I'm not going to spend any more of right. it. And where that that's why the shower scene is just so beautiful because she really is just in this process of like what it what in a in a, another character arc would be a very like important turning point becomes the end of her life. I know. And it's devastating. That's the classic, right? like, tragedy yeah. of, like, losses, like, when they've made this turning point and when, like, it's the first day of the yeah. rest of their life. Psycho is definitely full of these, like, tragic ironies and just sort of playing on these tropes, right? These yes, sort of... definitely. Um, but Marion and Sam's relationship just from the, from the jump is sort of a, a little bit of a twist on the melodrama. Mm. Like, the melodrama, generally, there's something keeping them apart but it's like they're not a divorcee and a secretary having Mm -hmm. a tryst like they would never do that Mm -hmm. they would wait till they're married like good little christians or whatever (laughs) just just from the jump you know we're seeing them in their underwear we're seeing them yeah yeah right off the bat um and what i love about this movie are the choices of stylistically the camera so we see sort of this you know we open with the large panning shot across Mm -hmm. phoenix and then we sort of zoom in under the shade that's pulled down right oh interesting the other hitchcock movie i'm gonna make you watch is shadow of a doubt and shadow of a doubt has a little bit of a similar similar vibe where you're kind of entering 
somebody's space through the window Mm -hmm. where it feels almost like voyeuristic like you're entering into something that you're not supposed to be seeing yeah just sort of this voyeuristic camera that floats in somewhere where it's not really supposed to be Mm. um obviously you've got some really good tension building with the um shot reverse shot with the police officer Mm -hmm. where it is his face oh my god okay can we talk about the face shots that are like so the faces are so big yes which we got to watch this thankfully on my big screen Mm -hmm. not big screen but But on uh the projector projector. yeah and so it was huge on the wall Mm -hmm. and you know you get these shots where like the face completely fills the screen Mm -hmm. and so it's like (laughs) five feet tall yeah and it's almost as jarring as anything else Mm -hmm. in the movie that you kind of like are like (gasps) Like, you know, yeah. getting, like, startled by... Yeah, yeah. It's, that there's just, like, this big cop face yeah, with those dark this, glasses. Yeah, and, and totally stone-faced. You can't read yeah. him. You cannot read him at all. And so it really kind of puts you in Marion's shoes of trying to be like, Very what the fuck edge. is going on? Yes. Like, is this cop gonna arrest me? Like, what? Oh, my God. Does ah. he, is he looking for me already? Because yep. I was... Like, you know. I got out and was seen. I was, I was on my way out of town. Yep. And even... The camera cuts to pretty intense close-ups of her face as well. Yes, definitely. And it's almost like a kind of a sparring match where they're both just trying to For read sure. the other one and getting, like, nothing. And that's, like, what I said. That was the first time I noticed that she mm-hmm. wasn't blinking very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which I'll also mention, um, I heard whoever plays Wednesday Adams in the new Wednesday show. Jenna Ortega. Yes, thank you, Jenny Ortega. Um, she was saying that um, one of her directions was to blink as little as possible. And so I think that's where I noticed it was, mm. I just was like, oh, I wonder if she was directed to blink as little as possible because that's such a, like... That would be my guess. And And it's... You know, it's one of those sort of subconscious things that you notice. Exactly. Right? That's where what, yeah, it's, where it's like, you want them to blink and they're yeah. not blinking. Yeah, and it just, it's unsettling. And then obviously you get the really cool shadow work in oh, yeah. some of the scenes with Norman, between Norman and, and Marion, where you're just, as he's sort of moving around in his chair, we're like moving around the room yes. to get these different angles of him. And some of them are darker than others yeah yeah and it it does imply sort of this like other side to him that's potentially dangerous yes and is ultimately dangerous yeah one shot that i think is really interesting in the film is norman looking through the people right oh my god i love how close up they get on his eye i feel like that's one of the shots that i noticed the first time watching and the second time watching just feeling like oh my god, this is good. Mm -hmm. Like, you look at it and it's just, like, so right up against his face. Yeah. And the lighting is really great. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I'm I'm a big... Oh, and that is also... I think it's, like, right over where the money is. The money is, like, right... But I was kind of paying attention because after she dies, Mm -hmm. um, is killed, I should say, uh, the POV of um, him... Once he's out of the bathroom mm-hmm. and his first, like, seeing it and everything, there's a lot of the cleanup scene that's done from the point of view of the money on the nightstand. That's an And it's really, really and it's, like, right below yeah. Yeah. where the hole is. And so ah, I really just like that they're, like, yeah. so close to each other in the room and that, like, that's where he was looking through initially mm-hmm. and that's also where the money is now watching him. Ah, kind of was what I was yeah, like. I was yeah, like, oh, yeah. it's almost like we're kind of getting the POV from the cash. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's it's so 
what, you know, one of the things I think is so interesting about this movie is that you have these murders happening and there, there's there's no money involved. Obviously, horror films reflect the cultural anxieties of their, their times. Definitely. And I think Psycho approaches not only sort of this idea of the the kindly seeming person who has this sort of deep dark secret mm-hmm. and these sort of we'll, we'll put heavy heavy quotes around perversions yes yeah. um about his relationship with his mother but also the modern woman as sort of a little bit of a criminal and yeah. can, can she be redeemed yeah and also just like there's a lot of crime around money mm-hmm. and the central sort of fixation of the film is not around the money no it's about oh my god what is going on here? The only other note I have is uh, that Norman Bates was, um, he was snacking a lot of the time. He's, He's chewing. Like a bird. Yeah, like uh, a bird. Fuck. Yep. Which I, again, I think is really, it just makes it especially funny that he's he tells Marion, you eat like a bird. Because he's the like, one eating like a bird. Yep. And um, projection. He's, I think that, if I'm remembering correctly, that was Anthony Perkins' note. Like, he, he wanted Norman to kind of, like, be snacking on stuff. Good. Good um, for him. Yeah. Like, just constantly kind of having, like, sweets at hand. Yeah, and he like, does. Like a kid, right? Yeah, he's always, like, eating gum, or, like, pulling gum out, or, like, has a pack of something, mm-hmm. or he's always nibbling on something from the point, from after the murder mm-hmm. forward, he's mm-hmm. got something in his mouth, like, all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like he's trying to give himself something to do. Yeah. To sort of preoccupy himself as he cleans up another of his mother's another messes. Um, I did want to circle back. I did remember. Yes. Um, I wanted to circle back to the shower scene. Yes. As the iconic scene from the film. The one that if you've, you've never seen the film, but you know the shower scene. And why we think it resonates so well. Um, and has resonated just across 60 plus years of yeah. film history. The vulnerability yeah. is a vulnerable place to be. It's a very vulnerable place to be. And I do think it is worth noting um, that Janet Lee, who plays Marion Crane, was just so impacted seeing the shower scene unfold. Um, after sh- it was shot? After it was shot and then after it was shown Edited like, in theaters. Everything. Yeah. Um, she, like, when she watched it for the first time, she didn't take showers anymore after that. <gasps> Shut the fuck up. What do you mean? What did she do? <laughs> she took baths instead. She took baths instead. She would no longer no, take she a didn't. shower unless she absolutely had to because she just did not even, like, it just... It, it freaked her out too yeah, much. She never realized until she saw it, like, how vulnerable and, like, defenseless you can be in that position. This scene was enough for the lead actor to not ever want to take a That's shower again. Wild, Jamie <laughs> yeah. Lee Curtis's mom. Jamie Lee Curtis's mom, the original scream queen herself. Scream queen herself. I think 
one of the I don't know if you'd call it a theme of the movie, but like one of the pe- the the tools, motifs tools of the movie maybe. Oh, okay. Is um contrast. Yes. Yeah, like yeah, we're yeah. going yeah. from these very like soft moments, very quiet, very muted to these very like everything's happening mm-hmm. now and it, and I think the shower scene definitely captures that where it goes from just like Uh, she's getting like all of this off of her Mm -hmm. she's obviously feeling more relaxed than she has in the entire time we've seen her on screen Mm -hmm. and then lets her guard down he lets her guard down for once yeah which i actually just piece that together like that literally in the entire time we've seen her she's always like everything is building yeah from the beginning she's even sort of just like i like this guy but gosh this is a stupid situation that we're in that he's broke (laughs) and like paying alimony and like She's at that level, and then it just rises mm-hmm. until she steps into the shower, where you see it all just kind of like, ah, yeah, finally. Yep. And in that moment is when, you know, Norma strikes, and it's, uh, so, well, and then you go from that sort of, like, explosion Yes. Of, explosion is a really good word for it. Of, like violence not only in the physical sense but also just sort of this like bombardment on your senses yeah that you know then is followed up with sort of the like quiet ish Mm -hmm. obviously norman goes mother oh mother and then where the music kicks in and he's running down from the house but like basically from when he steps in that door and sees yeah it's really quiet it's just diegetic noise yeah which is noise within the context of this the just the what's the happening scene itself not yeah, anything yeah. additional i also really enjoyed this sorry i keep bouncing to like other shit and out of order but i really enjoyed the concept of um her having that inner monologue with herself and like also well not even with herself because it's really like the imagined things yeah. that were being said these conversations happening in her head that she wasn't even a part of mm-hmm. and then also we're hearing norman have those conversations with his mother yeah i just thought there was something kind of paralleling there where like she's starting to like fill in these blanks of Mm. these people who she's run away from and he's filling in the blanks of after his mother has died to the point of now saying them out loud and enacting them himself yeah yeah no that's that's a really good observation that parallel and like you said, it is a film of, of contrasts where not only in, in the lighting, the music, the, the pacing, mm-hmm. I would say, in some instances. Definitely. Because you do get, you do have sort of this, like, crime thriller for the first, what, like, 45 minutes or third or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then it turns into, like, a horror movie where you're, you know, Marion is murdered. And then sort of this, it shifts into sort of a, like detective type yeah, thriller yeah where you're just trying to figure out what the fuck is going on exactly um and the pacing between those sort of three points acts. yeah those those three sort of yeah acts so to speak you know those those are very contrasting and i i like them a lot but then there's still a lot of parallels and it's yeah it's it's just a, a really well made film yeah so that was psycho yeah. We did it. So where do we rate this on the scariness scale? For this one, I do think if it's a, a, out of 10, mm-hmm. then I would put it at like at a 1 or a 2 scariness level. Um, I think creepiness level is like at a 5. 
And this one felt very much like when I see a huge ass spider mm. and you're just, and then it disappears and you're Ooh. like, I, I, I wanted to have just seen that spider and got it out of my house, but instead it's around somewhere. Instead it's somewhere and I don't know where yeah. and I don't like that. Yes. And so, but it's like not yeah. unmanageable because no, like no, no, I'm no. pretty good with spiders. I can right. handle them. Right. But, but I it's... don't like when I can't find them anymore. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's one of <laughs> those where crawlies. we have, we have a deal, you and me, spider, <laughs> where you hang out there, I hang out yeah. here. But, like, there's a certain size that they get that I'm just like, all right, you need to go outside. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is like that. It's like a really, really fucking big spider mm-hmm. that I was not expecting to exist in this state. But not I, – I wouldn't call it even, like, scary. No. No. It's, it's definitely one of those where it's – Honestly, sometimes more the implication definitely than, than the thing itself, or or just sort of the process. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's honestly, I feel like Psycho is one of those you should watch from start to finish because that's the whole experience. If you yes. only watch the shower scene, if you only watch the cleanup scene, you are missing out on the important elements that make it such a such. I hate to say it. A cinematic experience, <laughs> but um, it really is just like you—you you have to be on for the whole roller coaster. Yeah. So for me, if I had to rate it on a spooky scale, we're doing what one to ten? Yeah, I did a one to ten. Scary. <laughs> we can standardize this as we go. Sure. Scary. You know, like a two. I don't like the idea of being stabbed in a shower. That's it's true. That's pretty fucked up. <laughs> Creepiness, I'll definitely also put it at a four, but just because the idea of like as as femme presenting people, yeah, we have to be very cognizant of our yeah aware- surroundings, surroundings and, and stay aware and and um, stay vigilant. Stay vigilant, unfortunately, but this is kind of a nightmare scenario where you're mm-hmm. trying to find shelter for the night, right? And the you only know, places, and the only place has somebody who has murderous intentions towards you and the one time the one moment you let down your guard is when he strikes is when yeah is when norma strikes and on a spookiness scale i'd also put it kind of at like a solid four yeah yeah there's a lot going on that's just really unsettling and it just it sticks with you it's a classic for a reason my one of my favorite shots aside from the little people where he's being a fucking creep mm-hmm. you know that voyeurism theme coming back again is right at the very end where they kind of transpose a little skull yes onto skull his onto, onto his, his face yeah their face norman norman's face, face. <laughs> uh bates bates, is, bates face <laughs> there we go the bates face um, and then the car coming out of the swamp, the bog, yeah. excuse me, um, also looks a little bit like a skull. Cause you Definitely, because the, there's the this, like, and, the... and they also did, like, a weird, like, way of the pattern of yeah. the, of it coming off the car, the, yep. the muck coming off the yep. car. All right, well, that <gasps> wraps up episode one. Episode one! Hey, good job. Hey, we good job. It. Hey, we did it! Pow! Hell yeah! <laughs> um, join us next week for... Not next week. Next episode. Next episode. This so we'll do um this one today. Mm-hmm. The next episode comes out tomorrow. Yep. And then we'll have another episode come out the next day mm-hmm. on Monday. Special Fourth of July. Fourth of July treat. Treat. 
Do we want to say what it is? No. Okay. No. It's a surprise. It's it's a surprise for the end of episode two. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, we'll announce it on the end yeah. of episode two. Yeah. So stick around. Check out the end of episode two. Join us for Saw. Um, I'm excited. I think that will be like the first true horror movie I've ever watched. So it's gonna be a gnarly one. Can't wait. Follow us on social yes. meds. Uh, it's Eek Pod. Eek Pod. Um, that's on Twitter and on Instagram. Mm-hmm. You can email us at Eek the Podcast at gmail.com. And if you can't reach us there, then leave us alone. <laughs> <laughs> Do we do we do some sort of like <laughs> finger guns, finger snap guns? Yeah, we should, or we'll just close it out with um. Remember, kids, don't get stuck in the bog. <laughs> yeah, don't get stuck in a bog. Remember, kids, don't get stuck in a bog. And if he's really into taxidermy, <laughs> that might be a red flag. That's a red flag. It's it, at the very least a yellow flag. <laughs> Dude. Some further investigation may be required. (laughs) Further investigation warranted. Alright, we'll catch you on the flippity flop. Signing off. The end. And then there were four sequels. <laughs> were there? Actually, no. There were three sequels. Shut the fuck up. I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, I've when? Seen, I've seen none of them. Um, there was one in... How do you make a sequel of that? There was one in, I want to say, like, 68 or 70. Wow. And then there were two more. And then there was the Gus Van Sant remake that was almost shot for shot with... Guess who they got to play Norman Bates? I don't want to know. You really what don't. What year? What year was it? 1997, I think? Yeah, 96, no 97? You're not ready for this. <laughs> Vince Vaughn. Shut the fuck up.